Hello, and welcome to the Sasha Sessions, a Team USA podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Cohen, Olympic silver medalist in figure skating. Joining me this week is Megan Duggan, Olympic gold medalist in ice hockey for Team USA. We talk about her mental evolution as a first-time Olympian to leading Team USA as their captain in her third Olympic Games. We also talk about her fight for women's equality in sports and the steps she took in order to make that a reality. Welcome to the podcast, Megan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited to speak with you guys. In preparation for this interview, I have to admit that I went down a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of research to better understand your personality as an athlete and how that really shaped how you trained over the years. I've found the arc of your Olympic career absolutely fascinating. You first won two silver medals, first in 2010 and then 2014, before you became the captain, leading into your last Olympic Games in 2018, where you finally won gold. And it was one of the most exciting matches of the Games, especially with this rivalry between Canada and the U.S. Can you take me to that moment in time and what it was like preparing for those Games? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dream come true uh, doesn't even sum it up. I think, uh, as you mentioned, with, um, you know, in the Olympics that I had participated in, in 2010 and 2014, prior to um, winning gold, you know, we were, we came up short of our ultimate goal. And while we were incredibly proud to come back to the U.S. with those silver medals, um, you know, in our sport or in any sport, you you know, you don't, you don't run on the treadmill in training or, or push yourself on the bike thinking, oh yeah, second place. I can't wait for second place. And so um, it's first place, it's gold. And so, well, like I said, we were certainly proud. We came up short of our ultimate goal. So I think, um, you know, during that time period between 2014 and 2018, to get ourselves to that point, it was really a rediscovery period for our team. Um, in, in so many different areas. Um, you know, we transformed on the ice, off the ice, mentally and physically and in our relationships, um, in our, you know, in our emotions and our mental approach to the game and, um, how we viewed everything. And that really played a huge factor into our success in 2018. Um, you know, we kind of lived by the quote, you, you cannot stay the same and expect a different result. And we committed to, changing the way that we um, saw the game and played the game and prepared for the game in order to get that, that result that we wanted in 2018, which was, uh, which was gold. And it was incredibly special for our team and our families and, and our program um, and the history of our program. I think what you just described is the life process of every serious athlete where it's constantly this this fine tuning and this idea that that we have the we have the capacity the the ability uh, to make any adjustment necessary to to better ourselves and ultimately to achieve that goal of winning and if we don't do it it's something kind of on us that we that we didn't figure out and and athletes leave very little room I think for serendipity uh, we're we're all about preparation and and kind of going back to square one and, and rebuilding, uh, you know, the, the entire building if, if one little thing is off. And so I'm very curious to get into the, into the details because I think this is something that's so relevant for so many athletes and just even more broadly the people in their life that aren't quite happy with, with where they are. Like what did that actually, maybe like the top one or two things of what that looked like between 2014 and 
and 2018, was it principally like a physical component or was there meditation or mental training brought in um, the the type of players that made up the team? Like what did it actually what did it actually look like making those changes? Yeah, such a good question. And, you know, if if I could choose kind of the top one or two areas that we really focused on um, or that I felt made the biggest impact was um, the first one was we really, um, under the guidance of our, our coaches and our staff, we transformed the entire way that we played the game, uh, which sounds kind of crazy, but studied a lot of film um, from other teams that were successful in certain styles of play that they used and implemented it day in and day out in practice. And it was challenging. It took four years for us to grasp these different concepts and break habits that we had on the ice since we were kids. Um, but, you know, we committed to it and we trusted in our, our staff and the, the coaches that had laid out this plan for us and, um, and stayed along that path for four years. And it was, you know, by the time we got to the Olympics, it was just the way that we played now. Um, so that was, that was certainly um, one major factor. And then, the other, I would say, um, you know, a, a glimpse off the ice was our commitment to really our mental training um, and our preparation that way, um, whether it was imagery or, you know, meditation, you mentioned, putting ourselves in in the situation that we wanted to be in, really, really seeing the opportunity that we wanted and imagining what it would be like to be there, um, you know, engaging all of our senses in that moment and um, and really just truly using our minds um, and training our minds to get what we wanted. Um, sounds kind of crazy, but like I said, we committed to it for a four-year process and really learned a lot about ourselves and the power of the mind and mental strength and, um, you know, had a lot of coaching along the way with with some sports psychologists and, and different, um, you know, resources that we use, but definitely our commitment to um, the mental game and how we made changes off the ice was was definitely the other big part. And and something that you that you said was that you you're proud of your silvers, but you don't do all that work for second place. And I think this might have been from an interview before 2018. Um, you mentioned that there was a lot that you still wanted to do, but there was really only room to focus on gold leading up to the last Olympics. And and I'm. Wondering now that that's been achieved and checked off your list, I'm curious what kind of other things in your life you've made room for since, you know, you have you have a gold medal safely squared away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of us on the team and, and I'm sure, you know, many Olympic athletes or elite level athletes or elite level in any industry can can relate that um, you, you put everything on hold when you're chasing after a dream like that. And you know, a lot of us on the team, we've thanked over and over again, our, our families and support systems and spouses for, um, you know, for standing in our corner while we basically put everything on hold to achieve that dream. I think also, um, I, you know, something that was really important to our team was um, changing our mindset around why we wanted to win gold so bad and what that meant to us and what we would do with it afterwards. And shifted our mindset a little bit from, or, or at least looked ourselves in the mirror and asked ourselves the question, you know, why do you want to win so bad? Why this, this crazy gold medal that's been evading you for so long and, you know, had been evading our, our program for 20 years. What's, why is it so important? And, you know, is it, is it so important because you want to go home and say, Hey, look at me, I'm first place. Or is there something deeper than that? And so our team really focused on finding that deeper purpose, which for us was, 
um, you know, when you win gold, you're able to create a platform to go out and make change. And, you know, in the world of, of women's hockey and in youth sports and in, um, you know, girls and female empowerment, our team was able to and has been able to create a platform to make change in those areas. And that's something that I know across the board um, on our team, we've really been focusing on and putting a lot of our energy towards um, since February of 2018 when we won gold. That's so interesting. So for for you in your sport, it was gold that would give you the authority and almost the, um, I guess, yeah, I guess the kind of the authority to to be a leader and, and someone that the community or younger uh, sports, the next generation of, of athletes would look to. Um, and that's not th- something you felt like you could do with many world titles and two Olympic silvers. Well, I guess it's it's something that, you know, we've we have always made a mission. Um, and on our team, you know, we've we've always said we're part of something bigger than ourselves and always wanted to take part in growing the game and, you know, getting young girls involved in sports and all the great things that come with that and confidence and positive body image. And we certainly always been proponents of that, but I think, you know, to call a spade a spade, America loves the Olympics and we love winning. It's always about the medal count, how many gold medals, um, you know, those are the stories that you, that you hear. And that those are the things that get publicity is, is gold. And I think if, um, you know, while when we came back and we had won silver and we had the opportunity to, um, you know, get out into our communities and we certainly took advantage of that. But the the platform um, was really enhanced when our team won gold. And I think we wanted to um, do something great with that. And, you know, I'm proud of who who our team is and, and what they've continued to do and what we've continued to do. And I hope that, um, you know, can kind of only keep the ball rolling in that area. So there are two real two interesting things I really loved about what you just said. And one is that what you don't hear often, I think, from athletes is that you're doing something, it was bigger than you. You're competing for for the sport, for future generations, and and not just for yourself. You know, that was an important reason, um, you know, why gold was so important. Do you think that strikes um the chord at the heart of the difference between individual and team athletes? Because I notice such a difference in the way that they see the world, the way that they interact within their sport. Um, and I don't know if you've had much experience with with solo athletes at the games and, um, you know, kind of how you see the differences. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I certainly can speak to our team. And, and like I said, that was a, a mantra for our team, being part of something bigger than ourselves. And, and that can mean so many different things. Internally on our team, it means, you know, it takes everyone. And everyone plays a, a part in the success. You have players that play a lot more minutes than others. You have players that are better at certain skills than others. But every single person is on that team for a reason. Um, and, you know, the, the game and our journey and our team and the Olympics, it's, it's bigger than each individual. Um, and that was, you know, that's something that we spent a lot of time focusing on. Uh, from a mentality standpoint. And and then just, you know, it, it took me a little bit, I think, through my career to really wrap my head around that mentality as well when it comes to being a part of the Olympic Games. Um, you know, my first Olympics I went to in 2010, I was 22 years old. I was still in college and um, I had winning on the brain. I had, you know, likely my playing time on the brain or, you know, um, 
how how I was going to perform at the games, which are certainly all important. And you want to, um, you know, bring your best so your team is the best. But as I matured through my career, you realize what the Olympics represents and how important it is and how much bigger it is than, you know, each individual or each team or even each country. And to really wrap your head around that concept um, and kind of breathe it in while you're there, I think is, is so important. Um, and it's something that, you know, like I said, I've learned over my career, probably as I've gotten a little bit older, had more experiences, but uh, being a part of that event means, I mean, to me so much more than, than gold medals. Um, while they're incredible and I, you know, I worked my whole life for one, um, you know, there's, there's a lot you can take out of that event. I think just personally and, and in your life and outside of sport. It, it's very true. You know, we trade the extra years and the wisdom that comes with that. And I definitely felt, felt the same about the Olympics, you know, at my second games. And as I watch them now, just really what it stands for and the dreams and this kind of global moment where everyone comes together and sets everything else aside to just really respect and appreciate what the athletes have dedicated their lives to. I wanted to switch now to going into the 2018 Games. Um, you know, it wasn't all easy, and there was certainly quite a bit of conflict for for women's hockey in the U.S. And something that Billy Jane King faced, you know, years ago, has is something that female athletes still face today. I wanted to hear your perspective and what that was like going into the 2018 games and not feeling like you had anything equal to what the men were offered and the women were far outperforming the men and just what that felt like to be on that side and and how you made the decision to eventually threaten to boycott. And what I think is so exceptional is that it wasn't just about this team and the current status quo, but it was what you wanted for the future of women's hockey. It's just so incredible that you were doing this while you were competing instead of advocating for something when you retired. And so it was just so relevant and happening right at the same time while you were an athlete. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it was, um, it was and, and continues to be a battle in the, in the women's hockey world, um, certainly for, you know, um, equal rights and um, equitable support and, um, you know, gender equality and all of that. And I think um, that's what makes me so proud of our team, um, you know, that we were able to, in 2017, um, stand up, uh, you know, in addition to training for a world championship and getting ready for the Olympics and, um, you know, trying to be the best athletes we could be every single day, that um, this fight was equally as important to us and something that we were willing to risk everything um, in order to make some change in our program. And, um, you know, really it, it started with conversations at meal tables um, and on bus trips about um, how things had been going um, really since we'd all been on the team and certain things that we were seeing when it came to, um, you know, support and um, general uh, marketing and PR and programming and, and the changes that we wanted to see within our program. And um, from there, it led us to, I think we have a case here, um, you know, and hiring a great, a great law firm that we've been working with to this day out of Philadelphia called Ballard's Bar um, to really help us organize our thoughts um, and, and be able to, you know, professionally um, approach USA Hockey and, and have com- some of these conversations. Um, initially, the conversations weren't weren't going 
um, in a direction that we wanted. We weren't able to make any progress. And that's, as you mentioned, uh, we got to the point where we had to boycott a world championship until some meaningful progress was made in, in some of these areas that we wanted to see changes happen. Um, while we, we never wanted to get to that point, I think we certainly understood the, the leverage that we had um, and in hosting a world championship on home soil and, um, you know, not, not sending a team. So I think overall, um, it's, you know, it, it was, it's an exciting time to look back on. And I'm really proud of our team for going through that. It was not easy when we were going through it. It was a lot of sleepless nights and emotions and, um, you know, a lot of fear involved, like I said, putting a world championship on the line and potentially giving up everything or being cut or, um, we didn't know how it was going to go, but, uh, we were able to make some success and or have some success and, um, you know, make some major changes and end up competing in that world championship um, after we kind of signed on the dotted line and ended up going on to win gold in overtime that year, which was, uh, which was pretty special. Um, certainly coming off of that, you know, having to, uh, to get our minds right and continue to, to train and compete and get ready for the 2018 Olympics was no easy task. I think the emotions um, of that whole process, you know, it took a lot out of us, but like I said, and like you mentioned, it was something that was so important to us that we had to, it was equally as important to us as going after gold medals and preparing for the Olympics. Um, we were willing to make these sacrifices and um, stand up for the future generation, even if that meant, um, you know, losing some sleep or losing some training days in the process uh, was something that we were really passionate about and uh, continue to be passionate about Um but we're in a, a much better place right now and continuing to move things forward every day. I think something that a lot of fans and the audience may not realize is that Olympians are not professional athletes. They're not professionally paid. And, you know, most Olympians work a job to pay for training. And and at the end of it, it, it may not be monetized. And so you have won, you know, multiple world titles, Olympic medals, and yet the support that an Olympian might get from from their organization, you know, it's kind of enough to maybe cultivate and pay for some training, but it's not like you're um, in the NFL or NBA and, and that you're just making millions and millions of dollars. And so, so what was it exactly, um, like, the most important things that you were asking for? And, and what was the disparity like, really, between the female and male players within hockey? The, the three major areas that we were, I guess, three major buckets that we kind of organized everything into during that boycott. The first one, there was certainly a compensation piece. Um, and we, there was, we were not asking to be paid equal to what the men get. Uh, the men in our sport are professional athletes. They all play in the NHL. They make millions of dollars a year in the NHL. So that was not something that, um, you know, we were, we were trying to um, get compensation equal to that, but really um, to be, you know, compensated um, in a way that we felt uh, we deserve. We're putting our entire lives into this day in and day out. It's our full-time job. Um, they expect a lot out of us and, you know, we expected some support in return. Um, the other bucket that we put things into um, was really the general programming. Uh, prior to um, these conversations, we were playing, you know, less than 10 major international games a year in a Four Nations Cup tournament and in a 
World Championship Tournament. We were really just asking to work more. We wanted more games, more programming. Um, and since then, you know, we've added a handful of games to our schedule, competing against Canada in the February Rivalry Series and competing against Canada a couple times in a, a series around Christmas. And, um, you know, coming up next month, two more games in November um, added against Canada. So we've seen a lot of that, which has been great. And then the the third area was really increased um, marketing and PR efforts. Um, and really, you know, they all kind of fit together. You need to, um, you know, increase the visibility of the sport in order for people to invest and to get excited about it and bring the dollars in and, we just felt that um, in some of the areas that they were promoting and marketing the men, um, they could have been doing that with the women as well. So those are generally the the three areas that a lot of different things fell under. That makes sense. And do you think that this this process, becoming captain, going into the 2018 games, you know, you, you have such a presence and perspective, I think, of the whole picture and working for something bigger than yourself and what it's like really to be a part of it of a team. And and many people have complimented and spoken very highly of your your leadership style within the team. And I'm I'm wondering if that's something that you've been developing your whole life or that's something that in the moment of having that responsibility um, you kind of stepped up to it, but I'm I'm very curious because I think leadership is such a huge thing. Yeah, I think you know throughout my entire career and um, you know in youth sports and high school and and college, I certainly took on leadership roles. I think I was uh, because of my you know my birth year or whatever time I fell in in school or um, on teams, I was usually one of the older ones. Um, you know, I'm I'm super competitive and and outgoing, and I think naturally gravitated towards leadership roles. Um, when I was younger and then obviously getting older and playing, you know, in NCAA and, and buying for national championships and playing on the national team and buying for gold medals. Um, yeah, I started to, to certainly learn a little bit more about my leadership and, and take it, you know, I guess a little bit more seriously for lack of a better term. But um, I think I actually was captain in 2014 as well. And I think when we lost that, that game in dramatic fashion, um, I took it very personally and, and I took it very hard thinking, um, you know, I couldn't lead my team to what we wanted. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to lead us there. And, um, you know, I had to ask myself a lot of questions about what leadership looked like and, um, you know, how I could evolve in those next four years leading into the 2018 games. And, um, I'm certainly not perfect in my leadership. I think I've learned a lot from great mentors over the years. Um, I've been challenged in my leadership a ton. Uh, but really, when it came down to it, I think the things that are most important to me are, um, as a leader, knowing you can't always be everyone's friend. I think in a team sport, sometimes the decisions that you have to make or the direction that you have to lead the team are incredibly difficult. And someone told me one time, you know, think of it as the as the movie theater analogy. Um, you know, something happens in the locker room that day or you, you know, you make a decision. You may not get invited to the movies that night with all your friends, uh, but it's going to be better for your team in the long run. And so I think I learned that um, throughout, you know, throughout my career. And, and that's that's what makes it difficult, right? Because early in my career, you want to be everyone's friend. You want to please everyone. And um, that's just not the case. Sometimes tough decisions need to be made or, or things need to to happen in real time. And, it's, you know, you can't always please everyone. Um, and then I think also um, in my leadership, I learned to just always be learning, always asking questions, whether that's to, you know, younger teammates that, 
that come onto the team, maybe they've only been on the team a year, they still have something to offer and never being, um, you know, so set in your ways or so, you know, veteran that um, you can't ask questions or you can't make yourself vulnerable to learn and make your team better. Um, and I would say those are two things that I've certainly tried to focus on and, and tried to, um, you know, grow through in my leadership and, uh, and just always knowing that, you know, I don't always have the right answers and it's, it's difficult, but, um, you know, when you're passionate and when you're competitive and when you have the trust of your teammates, um, you're going to be able to get things done. And, um, I've always, you know, tried to live up to that and, um, and tried to lead my team in the right direction. You've touched on so many interesting things. And I think being growing up in the spotlight and competing and wanting to win, wanting approval, wanting to be liked within your team, wanting the U.S. to be proud, it it certainly brings up this, this pattern of, you know, wanting to be liked. And so I can't even imagine, you know, learning to make those tough decisions of what's really good for the team, even if everyone else can't see it at the time, and the responsibility of that. Uh, alongside the learning. And I think I've always been incredibly curious and always picking up new books, different philosophies, trying to understand where the blockage is or the mental hurdle or why is the performance not where it needs to be. And and I was wondering whether how you compete and show up as a competitor, if there are any philosophies or books or even like examples of people or mentors that that really embody something that you that you really tried to make your own over the years and have made you a better leader and a better athlete? Um, I can't think of like, you know, one or two things specifically, but I love to read. I'm always trying to read, you know, different articles from all different industries, whether it's leaders in in business or leaders in sport or leaders in the military um, and just taking little snippets from things like that. Um, You know, I try to read a lot of, different um, leadership books or competitive nature books. One of my favorite is Grit by Angela Duckworth. And, you know, just talks a lot about why successful people are successful and what you kind of need to find in yourself in order to be successful. Um, and so I've definitely used that a lot. And then I think outside of that, it's, it's the people in my life. Um, you know, I've as I've gotten older again, I think, and, and learned a little bit and had some challenges and ups and downs in my career, I, I try to surround myself with people that, um, that challenge me and that encourage me at the same time. Um, and, you know, I've had some great mentors, whether they be coaches or, um, you know, being a freshman in college and looking at some of the juniors and seniors on the team and how they lead and really just tried to, to pull some of the great things um, from all the different leaders that I've had in my life. Um, and, Again, like I said, I'm not. I'm, I'm certainly not perfect in my leadership, and I'm trying to learn every day because the game evolves and the players evolve, and um, you know our team is evolving every year. And so, being able to be the best version of myself in whatever leadership capacity that that I need to be um, is, you know, always a goal of mine. That that certainly makes sense, and I can I can definitely relate to that. It's an ongoing process of learning and trying to constantly, I guess, in your sport, go to where the, the puck is going, not where it not where it is. Something exactly. I Exactly. Oh, I like that analogy. <laughs> I know. And I, I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is maybe cheesy because it's a little too <laughs> a little too close to home, but it, it works. 
Um, <laughs> something that I found difficult but important as an athlete was understanding emotions. And I, I've read that you've uh, spoken about how important it is to keep emotions under control. And I'm curious, I think everyone has a different way of getting there. And I was wondering how you learned to do that and if you see a big difference in the young players on your team versus the veterans. And then have you applied that to to other parts of your life? Yeah, such a great question. And, you know, actually was just having a conversation with a good friend of mine about this last night and the emotions in sport. And, um, you know, the, it, it's all about the balance, right? Because I, I am a super emotional hockey player. Um, and there, sometimes that's gotten me into trouble in my career and trouble means, you know, um, mouthing off to a coach in high school and getting sat on the bench or, you know, taking a penalty, uh, at a terrible time in a game and putting my team in jeopardy. And I've, I've had both those experiences throughout my career. Um, and it's because I'm, I'm super emotional, but I, while, while those are the negative side or the negative effects of, of playing with emotion, I think that, um, there's also a side to that. I, I love about playing with emotion and I think is so important. And when I'm in a game and I'm competing, whether it's the Olympic gold medal final or whether it is a, um, you know, a summer tournament with a team I've never played with before, I, I bring that same emotion and that's, you know, the best part of me and the worst part of me, I think sometimes, but Again, it's it's about, you know, I've had to learn through some of those ups and downs experiences, finding the balance and, and what works. Um, you know, I've as I've gotten older, I've had to learn you can play with a ton of motion, but you have to play within the rules of the game. Um, and I've had coaches sit me down and say, you know, do you want to win a gold medal or do you want to spend half the game in the penalty box? And um, and those are, you know, experiences that I've had that I've I've had to learn from and, and find a way to play with so much passion and, um, you know, joy and, and anger sometimes and frustration, but be able to, um, keep it under control. And it's, it's difficult, but it's that, that alone, you know, finding that balance in my emotions when I play has, has been, you know, on the forefront of my mind, the last five years of my career, um, and something that I've had to actively mentally work at all the time. Um, and it, you know, it has really helped me. I actually did not get a single penalty in the 2018 Olympic games, which is huge for me, but, um, you know, I think I attribute that to a lot of the, the mental work I put in, um, going into it. I can relate to that. I'm, I am, and certainly was an emotional athlete as well with large swings, highs and lows. And <laughs> I, I've definitely found that the mental training, the meditation, trying to ground yourself, uh, it has been very helpful, but it, it is interesting because it's like this double-edged sword where it, it fuels you and it it motivates your performance and it's fiery, but at the same time, you know, it's like the fire can get too hot and too big and, ha you know, learning how to rein that in. It's kind of this self-mastery that I think many people get to to later in life, but athletes have to, have to battle with at such a young age under... Um, you know, a magnifying glass with the whole world watching. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And it's, it comes with the territory, like you said. And I think that that's also part of my personality. That's why I love it. I love the adrenaline and the rush and, um, you know, the, the competitiveness and the rivalry that we've had in our, you know, in our team's case against Canada or whoever it is um, with the whole world watching. I think that's also why it makes it so fun and so emotional at the same time. 
I love talking to athletes because it brings me back. I've, you know, I've retired and haven't competed since 2010. And for the first two years, I said, oh, it's so nice. There's no stress of having to overcome injuries and planning in four-year cycles. And then you just realize how much you miss that intensity of purpose. And I've always said nothing was so difficult, but nothing was so clear. I knew who I was and what I was doing. And it was this incredible community that you're in and what athletes sacrifice and commit to to become the best versions of themselves, like mentally and in their sport is just really, really incredible. And and so, you know, you're still in the midst of it. And it's it's really it's it's a nice reminder to kind of get back deep into that that mindset. So thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, absolutely. I want to move a little bit to reflection and life lessons because I always think that people might see a point of failure, but they don't really understand what's going through that person's mind and how that's shaped them and ultimately maybe how that was a necessary stepping stone to a later success. And I think you've said that there's no growth without challenges. And I'm very curious what you, when you look back at your life and your career, what you see as the biggest challenge or or rock bottom moment um, and how you responded to it. Yeah. I mean, when I, I, I actually re- kind of remember saying that and I've said it a few times since then, but I remember the first time I said that, um, you know, I was at, at the Olympics in, in 2010 and we had our, uh, or sorry, 2018, we had our, um, you know, opening of the games press conference and, and everyone in the media was just, they were all over us about losing last time and four years ago and the heartbreak and, you know, showing us pictures of us crying and this and that. And whereas we had just spent four years moving away from that moment. So it was such an interesting dynamic. And, um, and I finally just said, you know, who are we in life, any of us, if we haven't been through challenges? Um, And, you know, that's, that's who our team is today. We've been through that. We learned from it. We created a plan to get over it and we moved forward. And now we're excited about being here and what we're going to do in these next two weeks. And I felt, you know, I remember looking in the eyes of my teammates and prior to that moment, being asked those questions about 2014 was incredibly difficult and brought tears to my eyes, you know, even a couple of years after it happened because it was um, that heartbreak. And and really it's, if you know the game of hockey, it was just the, the, the way that the whole game unfolded is so rare in our sport. Um, and it really felt like the hockey gods were against us that day. But, um, you know, it was in that moment at the 2018 press conference for the first time that I just felt like, wow, that's, you know, that's behind us. We have worked so hard day in and day out to put ourselves in a position to be here today, to not think about that, to have used it as firepower, but to not think about it anymore. We're in a new place and we're on a new journey with a new team. And, Um, So I would definitely say that that was um, a career low was that experience of losing in Sochi and losing in in the fashion that we did. Um, You know, it was our game to win and to take and and we gave it away. So I think, you know, having to look myself in the mirror in the years that followed um, and ask myself a little bit, you know, why did that happen? Um, How are you going to move forward? What's the plan? What are you made of? Uh, what's important to you and answer all those questions kind of over the next couple of years is what put our help put our team in a position in 2018 to be successful. So um, that was definitely a low. And while, you know, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't wish that upon anyone in their athletic career. We learned a ton from it as a team. And I learned a lot from it um, as an athlete, an individual, and as a person, I think. And as an athlete, and even more broadly, outside of the world of sports, how does one look back, you know, what you said, this was our game to lose. And I've certainly had moments like that in my career. It's it's a different matter when you win second, when you win silver or bronze, but you gave your best performance. You you did everything, right? But someone else was better that night. And then it's very different when you dropped the ball and you made a mistake. And what's the right balance of going back and analyzing and understanding that and and then separating and not associating with it? Whereas like, yeah, that happened, but that's not who I am. And I think this is such an interesting um, dynamic of of these these kind of events can tend to define a person and how they see themselves versus an event or a moment or a night. And it sounds like that's something that you you grappled with for a few years, but really were able to shift the narrative in your own head. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I let that loss define me for a long time. Um, I let it almost have me walk away from sport um, because. As I said, my identity was so wrapped up in that game and, you know, being the right leader and leading our team to a gold medal. And um, and I think that is the interesting thing about hockey, um, you know, or a handful of other team sports is that, as I mentioned, I mean, I, I have those silver medals with me in my house right now. And, um, you know, what they represent is so important to me and I'm super proud of them. But it's it's an interesting feeling when you, you know, you lose the biggest game of your life or you, um, you know, you make a mistake. Um, and then you, you end up with a silver medal is kind of how it feels versus a gold. Um, and it it is different than some of the other sports that you see where, you know, you gave it your best and someone did a little bit better. I guess that's the same, but, um, in that game, we, we felt that, you know, it, it was ours and we gave it away, which was, uh, which was a tough feeling to kind of swallow and take away with. And, um, and yeah, I, I let it define me for a long time. And I think what I needed to do and what I did during, you know, those years was grow up and and learn a little bit about myself and learn why was sport so important to me and, um, you know, try not to let it become my sole identity, you know, and, and like I said, just ask myself the tough questions and figure out how to get out of it. Um, you know, we all have difficult things in life. And up until that point and up until now, I, you know, I was super fortunate in my life that losing a, a, while it was a huge hockey game, was one of the most difficult things I'd been through at that time. Because when you think about life as a whole, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot more, there's, there's very difficult things that people go through. So I think uh, gaining some perspective through it all as well. And while it was, you know, very real to me and very difficult for our whole team, um, you know, just digging deep and, and finding a way to get through it together um, was what we did. And it it made us successful um, in the long run. So that makes me want to combine another two questions that I actually had for you. It's like this this period of growth from 2014 to 2018 seems so important uh, in your career and it, it seemed like it was a mix of overcoming self-limiting behavior or beliefs uh, so that you were able to accomplish your goals in 2018. And at the same time, changing the dynamic of identity and how you define yourself, of trying to separate that a little further from that night, that game, uh, from the sport. 
And, you know, in, in, in no particular order, I guess, what, if, if you can put your finger on it, was there a certain uh, tangible self-limiting thought or way that you kind of moved um, in that game or at that time that, that you were able to really to identify and overcome? And then with with that and this process of, of identity, how how did that change for you between 2014 and 2018? Um, well, that's a great question. (laughs) Tough one to be on the spot for. Um, you know, I think, uh, again, when I, when I think back to, um, to that, the game in in 2014, and I think about just the, 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 uh, I guess guilt I felt or, um, responsibility I felt for having let the team down from a leadership standpoint, Um, and you know, that wasn't the case. There was no specific thing that, that I did in that game or didn't do that, that me personally caused the outcome of the game. I mean, that never happens in team sports, but, um, I just, you know, I really beat myself up uh, about it afterwards, um, thought I was a terrible leader and, you know, that I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't lead us to what we wanted to achieve and, um, thought, you know, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like went to both Olympics gave it my all came up short. Um, and it, that was a short stint that I thought that for, because I'd like to think I'm mentally stronger than that. But, um, I think the transformation period for me in those next four years, um, I tried to focus a lot on leadership. Like I talked about earlier and evolving in those areas and being a better and a different leader than I ever had been. Um, and, um, you know, with that, I, I, I challenged myself and I challenged my teammates, some of which was, was met, um, you know, with open arms and we were, you know, successful in implementing different things and some of which was not and was really difficult. And, um, you know, while our team is, um, is a unbelievable group that I'm so proud of what we've been able to do, it, it hasn't all been easy, you know, and we butt heads all the time. And, um, as we're, as we've been walking through this journey together. So I think, um, you know, I guess for me really discovering, um, who I was as a leader and then implementing different things, even when they were met with resistance was something that was important to me. And, um, you know, I'll still try to get better at, as I move forward, um, you know, in hockey and in, in the next chapter of my life. My last question on the podcast, which is something we ask everyone, if you had to choose one, what would your Olympic moment be? Uh, and it can be a time at one of the games, which just really stands out and, is kind of the penultimate moment or, or maybe it's something in your life um, that has that kind of Olympic rings standing on a podium, aha, gravitas. I'll give you two answers, even though that's not what you asked for. But I'll take two. I'll take two. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my, my first um, in sport, I think, was the moment our team won gold and just um, in 2018 and just what felt like, you know, had been such a struggle and such a journey and um, an all hands on deck effort to get to that point. And it happened in dramatic fashion with Jocelyn Lamoureux scoring one of the most incredible goals in a shootout I've ever seen in my life and probably will ever see. Um, And then our rookie goaltender making a huge save in front of the eyes of God knows how many million people watching that game. And I think just the accumulation of, um, of everything our team had worked for and everything, frankly, that we've talked about on this podcast, um, you know, and just our, our program and honoring the, the 98 team that had won 20 years before and 
it was just such an emotional time for our team and all of our families were there and came down on the ice to celebrate with us. And um, so definitely uh, the pinnacle of an Olympic moment, I would say. Um, and then, you know, off the ice, I think what I just mentioned a little bit, getting married and, and starting my family, um, you know, I family, as I said, is super important to me and um, has played such an instrumental role in my life. And, um, you know, I, I don't take for, for granted the, um, you know, the, the magic of, of starting a family and the, you know, the impact that it has on, on everyone and how difficult it is for uh, some some families to, to get to that point of, of having children. And it's something that we feel um, incredibly blessed and, and excited for. Um, so that's definitely an Olympic moment off the ice. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and walking me through just the trajectory of your career and how much you've learned and matured through it. I think these are the kind of lessons that just stay with you, whether you're an athlete or figuring out kind of how to navigate life. Yeah, well, thanks so much. I appreciate you telling my story and the team's story, and uh, it's an honor to be on the podcast. Please subscribe to Sasha Sessions wherever you get your podcasts. You can find new episodes every Monday. Produced by Bigfoot Music and Sound in New York City.